This is Mission.org. On this special episode of Marketing Trends, we talk to Menka Shroff, the global head of marketing of devices and mobility at Google. Menka has worked in a variety of marketing roles for companies like Box and Yahoo. And in this episode, we cover how she manages to find great companies to work for right before they take off, how to use analytics to drive better marketing results, and how to get sales and marketing into better alignment. This interview was recorded at the Growth Marketing Conference in San Francisco. So if there's a little background noise, apologies in advance. With that said, here's Menka Shroff. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You've obviously had a, uh, an amazing career in marketing. How did you get into it? Yeah, it's a great question. So post-MBA school, there was an opportunity to apply in analytical mindset marketing. And as you know, it's become very analytical-oriented. And Cami Dunaway, who was a CMO at Yahoo, had this rotation program for MBA marketers. And that's kind of how I got introduced to marketing at Yahoo. So I started my career there from a company that you know cherished marketing at that time. And what was the role specifically? It was a product marketing role and with a product management blend. And it was in their hot jobs subscription product. So I started in B2B in a very consumer company. Oh, that's great. And so you transitioned from there and like you've kind of been to a few of the like hot start. Are you just good at picking or? I don't, I don't know. I think some of it is lucky, lucky draws and some of it is. I do think I look at videos of companies and I see what they're doing and it feels like there's an opportunity in a space that exists. So you kind of do want to pick companies where you know that there is a trend happening and you can kind of go in and amplify as a marketer. That's important to market a product that you believe, but also there is an opportunity in the space. And so, yeah, I was lucky enough to join Box. I was employee number 50 there, so very early on right when they were thinking about B2B. So it was sort of this post B2C and they were, okay, we're like serious about B2B before even enterprise. And I think it was outreach. I like emailed the CMO and said, hey, I like this company. Do you have any jobs? And that's just kind of how I got into Box very early on. So do you like startup life more or do you like big company life more? You know, it's interesting. I was at Box. I, I stayed there until... The company went public, so all the way five years, and I think I was, it was post 1,000-plus employee when I left, so I saw the whole trajectory. And I joined BetterWorks. Again, it was like employee 20, and then they, when I left, it was over 100-plus people. And I would say my role at Google is fairly startup-like, so we're a little unit within cloud that is a full-stack team that runs marketing. So, you know, there are elements of startup culture in our team that I feel I enjoy. And I think that's why they brought me on, because they wanted a leader who can be like that. So I I feel kind of, you know, I bring in a little bit of that startup execution, what I call the strategic, but tactical, strategical approach to marketing. And I think that's kind of what I think differentiates uh, my background, I think, at least. So you talk a lot about, like, the ability to blend 
demand gen and kind of that tactical marketing with a little bit of branding? Like and how product do you, marketing. Yep. Yeah, and product marketing. How do you see the, the kind of relationship to those? I mean, not that you need a percentage, but I think that tactically, like a lot of it comes down to budget or it comes down to the bandwidth and you kind of have to pick and choose. How do you see that? Yeah, I think the best advice here that uh, I've heard is from Jeff Wiener at LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. He has this model where he says any CMO needs to have the trifecta of good messaging or narrative building for the company combined with performance marketing and a metrics foundation. I think that's like the trifecta. So anytime you have a marriage of those three aspects with product marketing and growth, you're automatically on a CMO track. And I think that's the kind of philosophy I've tried to bring in in the teams that I've led, where there's a good balance of having performance, but also having strong opinions and feedback from customers on where your narrative is. Because one without the other is just going to not click as, as the machine of demand gen won't work if you don't have a strong influence. From a leadership standpoint, do you mix people in your team? Do you have them do the different roles and like kind of build those skill sets or how do you do that? We, that's a great question. We've always had it specialized in the teams that I've led at BetterWorks. We had a very specialized, we brought in senior leaders. So I think it was the opposite of what we did at Box, where there were a lot of general marketers and then they sort of chose a path. I approached it differently at BetterWorks, but I, you know, sort of hired lieutenants, and then they sort of built the team out just because that was an easier way to scale. And I think I would probably do that. One thing we do collectively do as a team together, which inherently actually started at Google, but it's now spread across the valleys. We have our creative reviews every week where we bring in the whole team, and I'm very diligent about making sure every single person in the room is participating in the creative process. So it's not like the brand team is in a silo creating something, and then the person on the demand gen team is looking at it saying, well, that is great. It looks great, but the messaging won't convert. Like, we need to think about what that means. And I think that marriage of ideas with metrics really comes in during our creative reviews, and I think the balance um, comes up. So necessarily don't give, and sometimes I think people wear multiple hats. I mean, our, our demand gen team will write emails, and we tend to choose people who are strong marketers in general. But I think specialization helps scale the team, I think, a little bit. I'm fascinated with how companies like break down silos. And I think that for marketing, especially with like sales marketing alignment, yeah. is really, really siloed. But talk a little bit more about like the silos that you've seen and like how do you do that? Because I think like having everyone be involved in the creative process. Do you have people, like everyone do copywriting? Do you have other folks? Like how do you kind of manage that creative process to get everybody involved? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with sales, here's, I think here's the big myth that marketers have where they assume that messaging is with marketing. But really, the sales rep is talking day in and out, the SDR is talking day in and out on the phone with customers. and. They are owning the messaging, especially application of messaging. So for marketers to think that we create messaging in a silo without the alignment with sales is sort of dysfunctional, doesn't really scale. So you just have to accept the fact that while we may think about what our messaging approach is, the team on the sales side is applying that every single day. The second most important thing is to align on metrics. I think if there is no alignment on metrics and how the metric is measured, 
I think it always causes it's like my report says this and your report says this and these leads are not good and those leads are that I think that process can get really I think it can like you know create unnecessary trashing across the team so really critical to have weekly SDR syncs weekly sales and marketing syncs to go over those same metrics and have a dialogue and listen to each other I think having that foundation and I think one of the things that worked well at Box and at BetterWorks with the sales leader was that anytime there was a conflict we tried to resolve it as soon as possible so do not let conflicts like boil for a while just as soon as possible solve them and then you know settle with it and then just go in as one team that what, helps what are some of those conflicts like the difference between like sales qualified leads marketing qualified yeah, leads things like exactly, that exactly exactly and they seem trivial but they can they can start becoming weight on your shoulder and it's just not fruitful organizationally to have that and as much as we can solve those conflicts for our teams they're in better place so i think it's our job to settle those you know, as soon as possible and having that relationship where we can have that conversation too and asking for feedback versus not asking and then like hoping that everything's worked out which it never is like that one of my friends was involved in the big company that a lot of people know that where they were recarving territories and they didn't tell marketing oh and so it's a huge obviously you know yeah. this but it's like a huge issue because yeah. the marketing like they were focused on one specific area in the region and now that that rep was split in half and so they were that rep was having essentially like no marketing right towards, support yeah, yeah support for that region and those things like if you don't if you don't align you're not going to be able to find exactly. it exactly our head of dimension at betterworks masha what she would do is she would go into the sales meetings every week so she would hear their agenda and you know and most of the times it's operational updates and things like that but she would hear certain items and she'd say wait if you're thinking about doing that here are some like ideas i have to support you but i think you kind of have to be embedded with the team to really have that conversation because sometimes people are so busy they kind of go about doing their thing and then they forget that there's this communication that needs to happen I think part of a good leader's job is just connect the dots, right? That's kind of what you're supposed to do. What's the best campaign that you've ever run? Yeah, so at Box we had this campaign when the iPad came out and it so it seems like forever over here, <laughs> but that was that was 2010 and we were big on the mobile worker. That was our big movement. And anytime you have a movement that you want to create you want to be a poster child for and we want to latch in on a trend that's happening in the industry and i and the ipad was a great manifestation of that so we launched this campaign where we said any team that gives us how they would use box on ipad at their organization we would give their teams free ipads for forever and we got i think that was a social campaign that was it was one of those days when you did social campaigns with you i think we used wildfire which is now a google product and we had over 3000 applications from it leaders saying this would be great for my team and in that process we generated all these use cases right so it was a new product we didn't know how people would use box but there are all these use cases we collected so we got data on how people would actually use which was important metric information we said you know 60% are going to use that in a geographically dispersed team or a sales guy that's on the go this is going to be a great product integration with salesforce would be perfect those are the kind of ideas we got from that but then we also were able to sponsor this team in southern california and give ipads to all of their employees and it was a really popular campaign and felt good just uh you know acknowledging that too and 
and then eventually all of those people became our leads as well. So I mean, ultimately, we want to create momentum through a trend that's happening externally. And I think that was one of the best early campaigns that we did. Well, I think it's also value-add marketing, right? You're, exactly. you're helping tell the stories of your customers. Exactly. And you're, you're accelerating customer success, and you're accelerating their marketing efforts, because presumably, you probably have a larger reach. And you're also getting product feedback. So, exactly. It's yeah. like everything in one. It's hard to pull those off, but you just have to. I mean, we had to have. There was work. We had to create our app as quickly as possible in a way that was really well, you well didn't done. Have it? We had the app. It was we were going to create our box app, and this we knew the iPad was coming out. So we had, you know, six months ago we had said we're going to do this campaign. So our app better be really good because we can't do a campaign and then have our app not do well, right? So we had to create all of that pre-work. We and it was great. It like worked beautifully. You know, we had to have our platforms ready. Our messaging had to be done. There was just a lot of groundwork with the, like a scrappy team of like you know few marketers to get this going, but you know ultimately it worked out amazing. And then we continued doing these when Android phones came out. We did one Android when iPhones came out. We did stuff with iPhone. It became like a programmatic thing too, so it can scale, I think, as well. We talked a little bit about thought leadership before we got on, and I think it's a fascinating topic. I think everybody wants to be seen in the space, but it's a really hard thing to do. Getting your CEO to write is yes. really hard. And I mean, not everyone is like Aaron Levy, who's brilliant and has all these amazing thought leadership ideas too. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like your product is probably solving a need that you're an expert at and you can write about that. Totally. How did you, I mean, did you need to like twist Aaron's arm or was it like, or was it more he wanted to do that stuff? And then how do you kind of do that? Yeah. And, and I, I can take credit for that because we had a fantastic head of comms who had a vision for it too. But Aaron is very, very, he's brilliant. I think in the Valley, there's a lot of, I would call there are a lot of geniuses, but there are a few big thinkers. And I think he's a big thinker. And part of that is he pushed himself to think beyond his ears of like what the product was doing and really thought about what movement he's creating. So I think it's kind of critical to think sort of past your product. But the the most successful campaign, and it sounds really dumb in retrospect, but was just being enterprise sexy. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just simple. It's just like something simple and it's just repeated. And I think we repeated that until we got sick of it. And you know, when you're getting sick of something, that's when it goes mainstream. So that's our approach. You like keep doing it and then you're eye rolling and then it sort of goes mainstream. And it's still going on. But that, I think, is how we approach it. We kept it simple. All our narratives were around a simple idea of how do we make enterprises more progressive. And that was the idea. How was the first box works? The first, very first box works was not even called Boxworks. It was called Altitude, believe it or not. And it was actually held at another company's office. It was what I call like the pre-Boxworks phase. <laughs> and Kathleen runs Boxworks uh, today, and she's run it for years. The very first real Boxworks was very announcement heavy. So we spent a lot of time thinking about what are like three or four announcements, moments, because we thought of it as a moment in time for a company. And I think over time we realized it's a really a customer conference. It's not, it's, you know, we sort of learned from Benioff and Teen at Zora. They're big event experts. And we changed our strategy a little bit, adapted, I would say. We still do a lot of launches then, but we focus on our strategy to be more customer centric, bringing customers on stage and having them talk about the company. 
you you know, uh, BetterWorks launched in when I joined in September. That's when the company launched. And our first event was literally four or five months after I joined for a company that was out of stealth mode. And we had 300 people attend. We didn't even have 300 customers. <laughs> we had maybe we had maybe 50 customers by then, or not even. And we had our first event. It was successful because we were tapping into something that people felt the pain around. And so we knew that that was it. We just had to talk about this movement. And we removed all product aspects. In fact, we were too, we were too thought leadership. And then people said, we came to evaluate you. So you need to have some product content too. And so the next year we adapted a little bit of that strategy. So they don't lean to thought leadership. You still got to sell. You know, it's our job to do that. But do it in a way where it's graceful. You still have to like bring in the product demos and talk a little bit about your offer too. So we're going to do some quick hits. Okay. It's all just off the top of your head. What is your favorite show that you're watching right now? Great British Bake Off. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love the, I love uh, that show. I think it's lovely and wonderful and rains all the time. I don't know how they bake, but it looks all amazing. So I like how they're, I mean, stodgy is an understatement. Yeah, it's. I would be terrified. Yeah, if there's I was there's drama, but not in the like hyperbolic way. It's no, there. It's, it's still there, <laughs> but in a very graceful way. It's understated. Yes. What's your favorite podcast? Freakonomics. Great. And I also like Radio Lab. They're very dramatic in their narration. It's like it'll be about like a dolphin that like came close to a man, but there's a whole drama that they build up around it. I just love how they like create a story and you want to stay in your car and just like hear it out. <laughs> so it's one of those. I, I love that. What app on your phone is the most fun? I have a Lumosity app on my phone. Oh, all right. Yeah, I feel like I'm at that age where I need to continue to charge my brain. So I, I get competitive. So I like to play those games and see how I'm doing and do better. And Annie at Autopilot said uh, HQ. And I think it's the same sort of thing. It's like fun, but you're solving questions every day. Yeah, and, and different parts of your brain get used. I'm, I'm realizing my hand-eye coordination is not very good. Every time those questions come, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but it's nice. Bot chats, AI, all that sort of stuff. Quick prediction on... I feel like AI is an area where... Or machine learning, they use interchangeably. They are different things. I think AI is an area where... There's task-level stuff that people do every day that take up their cognitive capability. And I think humans inherently have really large cognitive capacity. We can do a lot of interesting computing things in our brains that we don't use every day because we're wasting time doing like really mundane things. So I do think I'm not in the Elon Musk camp. I'm in the optimistic camp where I do think it will take away some of those task-level opportunities. but Ultimately, I do think people will be able to bring in their cognitive self and like their skills will matter at workplace. So I think it will shift in how the next era of worker will be. I think we're sort of trending away from information era into a different era. I don't know what that is, but I do think, you know, it's kind of wait and watch as part of like how people work. And I think there are some opportunities. I mean, even tactically, a lot of SMBs have bots on their Facebook pages that show up and can solve like the standard like 10 questions. There's a lot Google is doing on this front. There's an amazing individual called Fei Fei. She has a TED talk on this, on how AI is going to transform pictures and 
communities. I mean, it's worth watching. It's That's quite great. phenomenal. Okay, final thing. What non-Google product that is like a marketing tool that you love? This is a product that we've used at BetterWorks and other companies, so I'll, I can't say it's used at Google, but Lean Data is a product that a lot of marketers are using today and sales just because as you scale the sales team, inherently there are gaps in how people are doing, people can do or what they can do with Salesforce and Marketo and Lean Data is a great platform to help scale that type of sales operations. I would say it's one of those tools that's sort of a critical foundational must have tool besides Marketo or an email automation platform, of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.